Welcome to Stress-Free IEP. You do not need to do it all alone. With your host, Francis Schefter, Principal of Schefter Law. You can get more details and catch prior episodes at www.schefterlaw.com. The Stress-Free IEP video podcast is also posted on YouTube and LinkedIn, and you can listen to episodes through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Now, here's the host of Stress-Free IEP, Francis Schefter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I am so excited about today's special guest because if you've ever talked to me about IEPs, transitions is just like my thorn right now because it's (laughs) so often neglected. So today's special guest, Lisa Shaw with Mosaic Haven, is a specialist in transition. So Lisa, welcome to the show. Tell us a little about yourself. Thank you for um, allowing me to join you here today. I'm so excited to talk about transitions because totally agree. They are um, totally neglected and an afterthought. Uh, And how I got to this point of just having a passion with um, transition planning for families is with my own lived experience with my son that's now 20 and he's on the autism spectrum. But as we went through our journey, um, we continuously struggled with him in school from being able to make progress academically, but also um, being able to even access his education appropriately because of his behavioral issues. And it wasn't until he was age 10 that we finally, after doctoring um, numerous numerous different places that we finally got that diagnosis of autism. And at that time, I was really, really excited that we had the diagnosis because I thought that that truly would set our son on a great path because we'd have a better understanding of what his needs are um, for um, school. Unfortunately, um, that IEP meeting that we had soon after being diagnosed, um, it it did not turn out the way I was anticipating, my husband and I. Um, Instead of us going in there and really tearing into his IEP and making sure we get it more individualized for him, that we were sat down by the special ed director and also um, a board certified behavioralist at the table that basically told us that due to his diagnosis and due to the past history that we were experienced in school, that we should start looking for group homes for him and that we needed to be prepared that he most likely won't even be able to graduate due to his behaviors. At age 10? At age 10. They had already provided what his future destiny was going to be. Um, in that he would not be able to drive or socialize. And um, basically, they started secluding him in school. So, you know, that was an emotional meeting. I, I have to admit, I, I fell apart after that as, meeting. Um, after I as, had, you would, as any parent would have. <laughs> after I had all my tears and everything, I, I pulled myself up and I said to my husband, 
I see so much potential in our son. I just, we don't know how to tap into it, but we need to tap into it. And then he can soar and he could succeed. And I don't believe these professionals of what they are saying our son's destiny is. We just don't have him on the right path. And that's when I started dreaming big. Of, I started going to the place in my thoughts of, What's my end game for my son? Where does my huh? Good place to start. You got to know where you want to be before you can start the path. Exactly. (laughs) And so my husband and I dreamed big of you know what kind of capabilities do we want our son to have by the when he transitions out of special education? Um, What's his life? style going to look like? What is the employment's going to look like? What's his engagement in the community going to look like? And I drew up that, that concept in my head and I communicated that to the IEP team. And that's when I really dug into, we need to start because it was right around the corner of him being age 12 to start talking about transition planning, to start telling them, this is what his post-secondary life is going to look like. So now we need to, as a team, individualize his IEP to give him the skills, the opportunities and experiences and sports needed to get him to to that goal. Hmm. So in other words, they need to follow the law? Because IDEA says that clearly. Really? concept. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But that was the turning point of me being able to give my son's IEP team an anchor. And I call it an anchor because all of our conversations from then on was based on, is this a good goal that will help get him to the ultimate vision of where he needs to be after he graduates from high school. And that really helped with the decision makings to know where the placement should be for him, what goals he should have, and what even supports he should have. Um, And they- I love this because, you know, most IEP meetings are, here's your strengths, here's your weaknesses, and let's do the goals on the weaknesses to build those up. But if you focus on the strengths and where we want to be, the weaknesses are going to catch up because they have to. Or, you know what? Hey, everybody jokes around. Lawyers don't do well with math. My accountant, (laughs) like, I probably make my accountant crazy because I'm like, I don't get it. You know, it's okay that you have weaknesses, Mm -hmm. but like, this is so amazing that actually focus on the adult this child is going to become. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I, and that's how I got into helping so many families of starting to have hope for their child's future, because we do focus so much on what our children's deficits are um, that the parents do lose hope of what that future is going to look like. And they get so overwhelmed and they, they feel very disheartened in a dark place because they, 
because the adulthood could be a very unknown, scary spot for their child. Um, but it doesn't have to be in today's world if right. we navigate the IEP process appropriately. Yeah. No, and I, you know, I have schools often, um, a lot of cases have come in recently that the schools are trying to push the alternative learning outcomes, which they say, oh, it's just for now. You can always go back. It's not telling, it's not saying he's on a certificate track. He still could be getting a high school diploma, which us on the advocate and legal side, it's baloney. Because you're taking the child out of the general education curriculum and putting the child into alternative learning outcomes. Yeah. So every year they might progress on those, but they're falling farther behind. Exactly. Uh, and they're doing this to kids in kindergarten and first and second grade. I know. It's horrific. Yes. It's scary. It is. It is. And, you know, at the end of the day, then you can't get caught back up if truly your ultimate dream for your child to be able to go to college. Well, they need to have that diploma, not just a certificate of completion. And if you determine that too late in the game, such as the last year that they're in school, they don't have any time to um, create, gain those credits that's needed. And then you've compromised on what your dream and goals are. So if you have that anchor of where What's the end game? Where do we need to get to? Um, you have a little bit more leverage to discuss that, you know, this alternative assessment, alternative way to learn is not going to get my child to his post-secondary um, vision that we need him to be. Right. And that's, it's, you know, it's all about the end game and the ultimate and and yes. our, the future. You know, that's yeah. what education's excuse me, all supposed to be about. And what IDE says is that we're supposed to be preparing our children for what's next. What's yep. after this? Um, it, it makes me crazy because the kids are allowed to be in school 21, 22, depending on your state. Mm-hmm. And, but they don't give the kids at the early ages that extra time they might need. Yep. Because so many schools won't hold a child back, fail a child in the early grades because of what it does to them emotionally, yeah. which is baloney because sometimes a second year of kindergarten is all the child needs and then they're going to flourish. Yep. But if you I, don't do it now, the kid's going to just behind, behind, behind and running to catch up his whole life. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And uh, that's why it's so important. I know the Special education process can be so intimidating um, and overwhelming, Um, but that is why it's so imperative that parents are active advocates and are at that table and feel like they have the skills and or they have the support if they bring in an advocate such as you and I to be at that table to ensure their voices are being heard. Because as you know, ideal law says that parents have an equal voice at that IEP table. And unfortunately, parents don't. Um, Right. And I was one of those parents that you think, these are professionals and they Mm -hmm. should know best for my child. Know better than me. They all do. Mm -hmm. And you know what? In the ultimate world. Yeah, that's probably how it should work. But in reality, the systems are currently are broken out there. And so we can't rely on that. 
if we truly want our children to have a successful life and live a life where they feel like they have a purpose and they have value and they belong to their community. And that takes the entire school year from pre-K all the way through, you know, grade 12 and or if you choose up through age 21, 22. Right. And it's just, you know, it's frustrating that parents have to bring advocates or even to the level when they need to call me as an attorney. Um, I'm the advocate also because of the education background, but I also have the attorney level that (laughs) schools bump it up when an attorney comes. I don't know if you've seen that. They don't necessarily with an advocate, Um, but it's just what I always tell potential clients and people that call is educate yourself. Yep. Like I don't, that's why I have my YouTube channel with over a hundred videos to, to educate. And I tell people, if you need a topic, if you have a question, throw it in, I'll do a video yep. real quick. Yep. Um, that parents need to know that they, parents, the schools don't always get it right. Nope. And the schools don't always have, I don't want to say they don't have the best interest of the child, but unfortunately what happens is the school's got higher ups that are putting pressure on for certain things and won't let you do certain things and say, you're not allowed to do that. And the teachers are bound because that's their job. They can't go against their employer. Um, And it's just frustrating because they don't know what to do. Whereas when parents come in educated, and I've seen, and I don't know if you've seen also, but when parents come in educated and knowing the language and knowing the buzzwords, they definitely perk up a lot. You know, they perk up a little bit more because like, wait, they know what they're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when I say the system's broken, it is not the teachers because they, like you even expressed, the teachers want the best for their students. That's why they got in this field. But there are so many things going up against these teachers um, anymore Be- with resource constraints, with budget cuts, and like you said, administration and laws and um, all the documentation that they have to do besides actual direct teaching. Um, so that's where us parents need to go in there and truly are helping that teacher to help that teacher to know exactly what your child needs are for, it's easier sometimes to help the teacher to prioritize the work that she needs to do with your child if you guys are partnering and collaborating together. Um, Otherwise, you know, she could be floundering too as she has a humongous caseload of other students. And I I always say like, Advocates and attorneys don't have to be adversarial. And I usually say we don't need to be, and we shouldn't be. Yes, there will be a point in time where we will sue the school system if we need to. But it doesn't have to be adversarial. You know, it's about the child. And and that's what we need to remember. I have a client that brings a picture of her son to every IEP meeting and puts the picture up. So, like, that's who we're talking about. We're not talking about this. Love it. We're talking about this kid right here. Yep. Um, Collaboration gets you so much further than being um, fighting and arguing and everything. Yep. Right. And it's so, I mean, I know, so you said you focus, your business focuses, I know you do advocacy also, but you focus on the older because of transition or do you do all? I do all. 
But my niche passion just organically (laughs) based on the families that um, I've been um, working with is more that age 12 to 21, that transition, because there is such a gap out there um, in a need. And unfortunately, the schools, the teachers aren't thoroughly trained on transition planning themselves either. Um, So it is a new concept if the parents truly want to go in there and, you know, maximize what special education can actually provide to their child. Because it's so important to maximize that special education supports and services that they can offer before you transition into adult services. Because that's a totally different beast in adult services. And the school is supposed to help transition you to adult services. Yep. Like when I taught in Florida, when I was at the alternative middle and high school, we had somebody from the adult services at the IEP meeting for our kids that are ready to transition out to make it easy. And it made me crazy when I came back up to Maryland and, and as an attorney and where, where's, you know, where's the doors persons where, you know, and they're like, Oh, they're not here. I'm like, yeah. How, how, Okay. <laughs> and they just, they're like, oh, we gave the parents the forms. I'm like, yep. that's not what you're supposed yeah. to do. Yeah, exactly. And that's where I always tell my clients that, you know, there's that phenomena of falling off the cliff of when special education services stop. And then the families feel like they're just falling off the cliff because they've aged out and they don't have any other services and then the child just sits at home. And that's where I say to my families, you can avoid that phenomena, but you have to create a large runway of getting your child prepared. And that is why it's so important to start working at the age of 12 to 14 with your IEP team to get prepared for that transition to adulthood um, to avoid that phenomena. Uh, Otherwise, you know, the longer that runway, the more successful they can be as adults. Um, And And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be written in stone. You know, you can be on one runway and swerve or pivot, however you want to call it to another, but just, like knowing that end goal. And I'm assuming you help your clients come up with what's a realistic end goal. Yes. So what I do is that when the parents reach out to me and they pretty much reach out to me asking me, um, please review my child's IEP. You know, we're struggling. We're worried. They're going to be graduating next year or two years. What we don't feel we have any good direction. And the first thing before I even look at their IEP, I always ask them, what's the end game? What are you, what's your, the three, five years out viewpoint looks like? What capabilities, what experiences and opportunities do you want your child to have? And I help them define that, define that vision statement. And we use that, as I said earlier, as an anchor for me then to go into that IEP and look at it and get prepared for an IEP meeting where we can present to them, this is our vision for our child. 
And these are the areas maybe we need to start collaborating and tweaking um, for goals and everything um, to make and maybe even do additional assessments. Um, folks don't even understand that there is, you know, transition assessments yeah. and there's the standard IEP um, annual um, three-year annual um, assessments and they are different yeah. assessments and yes. um, we need to be asking for those transition assessments um, that parents don't need know to ask and unfortunately schools don't offer right and the That's school does this that process yeah the standard stuff i mean i can't tell you how many ieps i saw we'll research for your college <laughs> <laughs> that's what every senior that wants to go to college does like how is that individualized exactly um, yeah exactly um and so after um we go through that i i pretty much help the family create a transition plan that we then collaborate with the IEP team to make sure everyone knows who's accountable for which components of that transition plan um, to make sure that the child continuously makes progress towards their end goals um, after high school. So, right. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm thinking back to my teacher's days and, you know, when I was in the classroom, regular ed and special ed and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I would have liked when if parents came in and said, this is what we want to focus on. This is the goal. Yeah. Because I mean, when I taught decades ago, um, it was handwriting IEPs, let's put it that way. And, you know, I was having eight IEP meetings all in one day and having yeah. to write eight IEPs, which yep. I did the best I could. Yeah, but I'll absolutely. tell you now, teachers don't learn how to write IEPs. It's no. never really taught. And nope. so... I'm doing the best I can. If I have a parent that comes in and is like, okay, so this is what I want. This is what I see. I love it because it's now we're working together and we're focused on the child. Exactly. And that's what I would, that's why I always say that that's why we fall into that cookie cutter situation because it is the teachers are, their workload is enormous, unimaginable. So it's easy to fall into the cookie cutter situation. But then on top of that, if they don't have a, a, a clear vision of where they need to get their that this child, then yeah, they fall back to the state standards potentially yeah. from an academic perspective instead of individualizing it. Um, right. And so, yeah, I totally agree with you on that philosophy. Yeah. And they have the they have um, the core standards there. So what is core standard yeah. does this uh, does this goal meet? And then you can have yeah. a, a word, a bank. And I actually had a teacher one time do the bank and not, you know, pull a bank goal and not fill in the student's name and the numbers and stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm okay with using a bank well, goal, but then you need yeah, to individualize it for this child. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's one of the questions I love to ask teachers, um, and it, not that I like to put teachers on the spot, but I always say, why is this goal important? Where did you get this goal? And that goes yeah. back to the present levels and making sure that the present levels are written. The whole Absolutely. point of the present levels is this is where the child is functioned. This is where the child is, what they can do and their weaknesses. And so Absolutely. what do we need to do to help them be more successful? Yep. You got it. 
And that comes out of the assessments that we do too, to understand those present levels. Yep. And knowing what assessments, yeah. 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 And that's that's a whole nother thing. I know. And I know the system works because I've seen so many success stories and getting back to my, my own son's success stories um, of where the IEP team members and the professionals had the destiny of my son's future. Now that he's 20 and I've used this approach, I'm happy to say that he is in the process of transitioning into living independently in his own condo. That's awesome. Drives. Wow. He um, works um, part-time in a competitive, integrated work environment. When he gets done with, um, graduates or exits out of special education um, this coming spring, um, he will be transitioning to a full-time job in that same spot. Wow. Um, And he is very active in the community. Um, He... uh, it participates in the community playhouse, providing all the technical support behind the scenes. Um, and he's on a bowling wow. league. So he Amazing. had a very productive life um, where he, he feels like you. he has yeah. a purpose and he belongs and he has value. Um, it's taken us a long time to get to that. But we had that vision and we had used that as our roadmap to continuously refine that IEP and transition plan to individualize it for his own purpose. And that's how the other families I work with, how we change that trajectory of what their future is going to look like. I'm dying to know, did you go back to that first IEP team and say, like, look at my son now, (laughs) you know? You know, when he graduated um, 12th grade, he was able to walk across the stage with um, his class, even though we didn't take the diploma yet until um, he exits. Um, and so we, God, God love my son. He has such a big heart. So he doesn't see all the struggles that we've had with relationships with some of the school members. He just loves everyone. And um, so he wanted to invite some of those um, folks to um, his graduation from elementary because at age 10 he was going from elementary school to junior high and so i i said to my husband by gosh we're gonna invite him for we can everything off (laughs) so some of them came and they're like they even admitted i would have never dreamt lisa that that um yeah, Alex would have been at this point at all. I mean, they all had that same sentiment. Um, but the other sentiment that they did have, they said, but you know what? He had a mama bear that had a lot of fire within her. And we're not surprised that he made this progress because we knew you believed in him. And I have always believed in him, in him and I'll never not believe in him. So that's kind of interesting, the two sentiments that they all um, kind of said at graduation day. <laughs> Which to me is also kind of sad that they said that they had you to, to fight for him. I'm like, exactly. but that's what the teachers are supposed to be doing. And I mean, I'm not knocking teachers don't, you know, yeah. and, and I know it's hard enough and you can't necessarily yeah. go up against your principal and yeah. central office, but it's just, the system is broken. It is. Like, there should not be a reason 
A, to pinhole a child at that young of an age, or even younger that I have some people do, and B, to not be able to truly talk about what the needs of this child is and where we can get, you know, let's set the goal up here. Yeah. In in two years, if we need to bring it down a little, okay, but don't start here and then see if we, you know. Yep, exactly. Exactly. But you know what? You have to have somewhat of a, a reach goal, not a, you know, a goal that is totally out of range, you know. Right. Like you're not talking about Harvard Law School, you know. Exactly. Um, But you'd be so surprised that the students, how they will rise to the occasion if they have the right supports and services, um, if you give them that push. Um, Because my son is a perfect example that he'd be okay with status quo. But if I keep, if we keep raising the bar incrementally um, and making sure he's successful as we're raising the bar, he will, he will rise always to the occasion. And that's why we are where we are. Um, And, you know, I always also tell parents that they are the only consistent cheerleader, advocate, dreamer on your child's team. Because from year to year, the teachers change, administrators change. Um, And so that's why you have to have that passion within you to believe in your child and to dream for your child um, for it comes to flourishing. Because the teachers do not go along the whole journey with you. So, right. And it's, you know, I hate the special education, blah, blah, blah. Um, And somebody said, and I'm forgetting who, um, so I apologize if you're watching the show, but it's, it's, yeah, it's special education because your child is special Mm -hmm. because every child is special. You know, it's, it's, I hate that it's like such a negative still. Like I know when I was younger, it was the special ed, you know, like you didn't do anything, but now what's wrong with it? So what? I'm on the spectrum. And yep. I have ADHD. So I can do this better than that because my brain does that, exactly. you know? Exactly. And that's the thing. Like, yeah. yeah. Cause they, they pigeonholed our kids into a stigma, a stigma oh, yeah. and everything, which um, I don't agree with. And that's where we could do a totally different segment about, you know, employment um, pigeonhole, you know, uh, uh, when yeah. they do um, special education, provides employment opportunities and it's cleaning cafeteria tables. And Mm -hmm. I have a a whole slew of additional different employment opportunities that can be done at a school. That's not just cleaning tables or emptying trash, such as working in the tech um, tech department, um, working in the front office, administrative duties, things like that. Um, but you have to come to the table and think outside the box and also have that vision that my child is going to have a job beyond just the standard quo of maybe cleaning um, and taking trash out. So, yeah. And don't, don't take no, you know, I have one of my videos. um, It's called, I called it the Schefter way because my father um, of, you know, yes, you're saying no now because you don't have the capability. Give me the next person who does have the capability and keep going up the ladder until you get what you want and what your child needs. Yep. Yep. Because, you know, like, and, and I said it before, like when you bring an attorney, 
what's the best part about bringing an attorney versus an advocate is that somebody from central office comes. Yeah. And yep. that's the difference because central exactly. office I've had, I love my central office people. They come and they're like, Oh no, 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 wait, let's try this. And they're, they're more yep. receptive to our suggestions Yeah, and they're more, they're looking outside the box and looking at whole picture because teachers, you can't like teachers can't know everything that's out there. No. And that's why central office is there is to help give you what else is out there and to open those doors. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. Yes. But yeah, that's where part of individualization of our child's um, education programming is truly thinking outside the box. Yeah. That's when it's a very powerful individualized IEP and transition plan. When you think outside that box. Um, and once again, the system sometimes just gets into a rut and they're just, you know, it's just um, uh, widgets. So let's, let's just process through all these IEP meetings and let's just, it's just a, a, a thing to do. Check checklist as I call it sometimes. Um, and that's where us, Parents have to have the courage to have that voice of saying, no, stop. We got to think outside the box. I'm going to challenge the status quo um, to be able to really make it a meaningful educational program. Right. And earlier is better. That's what I always say. Absolutely. You cannot. Yeah. Yeah. Start too early. I have people say, like, when should I bring an advocate or an attorney in? I'm like, if you're thinking about it now, <laughs> if that thought came in your head now, make the call now, yep. you know, because that's the thing. Yeah. If you wait two years, okay, fine. Yes, we can help in two years, but that's two years of your child's life that exactly be different. Yeah, exactly. And it's just not, and I'm not knocking parents or saying anybody does it wrong. We all parent differently, but it's at least educate yourself and do it and just be there for your child as the parent, as we all are in our ways, you know, but it's just support them and then, you know, be their cheerleader, be their biggest cheerleader. And that's where, you know, I always say I'd rather have parents be proactive than reactive. And unfortunately we get called in as attorneys and advocates because it's a reactive situation yep. and it can be much harder and challenging to turn the trajectory versus exactly. if you're proactive and the parents reach out to folks like you or I of understanding what are their rights and how to navigate the process, it's going to be probably easier too, right. um, and make sure that there doesn't have to be such a big correction potentially on the path. Um, if you're right. And what I say is like, we can come in there when we're all on the same page and working together. If you wait until you're on different pages, schools digging in. Yep. I'm not listening to that attorney or advocate. I'm the teacher. I, you know, I'm the school and I don't say teacher, I'm the school and we know what we're doing. And then you're here and then you've got to fight because they're digging in. They're not. Yep. And and that's human nature, you know, like, is that I'm right, you're wrong yep. when it's, you get to adversaries. Walls come up. Yep. That's, exactly. you know, and it's that negotiation kind of goes away. Yep. And who loses? Unfortunately, okay. the child, because they are losing valuable time because the time that they're in school, it's, it's a small window. And, you know, I, I could go on on a uh, totally another um, 
podcast with you in regards to parents cannot, cannot feel or have the philosophy that it's solely the school's responsibility to prepare their child for life after high school. Right. That it has to be something that's worked on in all environments, at home, in the community, and at school. Um, so that's another reason why the parents really need to be actively involved in getting that their child prepared for life after high school, not just think, I'm sending them to school, and magically the school is going to get them prepared because that's not going to happen. And they can't. They can't do all of it, you know? No, um, it's, yeah, it's just, it's frustrating. And it's, yeah, we're parents. There's only so much. But that's why, that's part of the reason I started the show is to be like, look, here's people that you can call out to to help you if you need help with this exactly. or if you need help exactly. with that. Exactly. You know, you don't, you don't have to do it all alone. That's, mm-hmm. you know, my tagline. You do not need to do it all alone. Nope. Um, and, that's, yeah. And that's, that's the uniqueness I bring to my clients because I have that lived experience. I understand it. It's hard to even see the forest because we as parents are deep into inside the woods and can't see too far from day to day. Sometimes we're trying to just survive hour to hour. Oh, yeah, trust me. Lisa, the next three to five years of my, for my child, how would I even have that vision? Um, Look, I'll be honest. I can't even find homework time a lot of times, you know, and my kids are elementary school. That's where proactively reaching out to specialists like myself and you to help you think through that vision um, will be a a good team member to add to your team to help you through that process for you not to get more pressure on you thinking the weight of the world's on your shoulders. Um, And the other challenge that parents do have because they are inside the forest and they can't see the um, the every the whole view is that the the parents get stuck of not being able to dream big for their child that they only see their their deficiencies of their child today and they don't see what capabilities that maybe they should have be able to do or could do. Um, and so that's where proactively talking to someone like myself can help the parents talk through, you know what, these are all the options that's out there. They don't have to just, the, the, living independently doesn't mean that you have to go to a group home or they live at home. There's other things in between that spectrum um, to be able to talk through that and look at, you know, there, there's so many things and options out there. Don't, don't settle for the status quo. Right. Yeah. I love that. And you have, I think if I'm remembering correctly, you have a, um, a course about dreaming big or something? Yes, I do. I have um, an on-demand course where um, families can actually go through um, the course. And it's from the beginning of dreaming big, creating that vision of what their child's future is going to look like, and then taking them step by step by step, a comprehensive overview of how to create those post-secondary goals and what transition assessments um, that they should be requesting and how then to individualize the IEP. And then if someone really wants even more um, 
customized service that then I layer on top of that, um, me working through all of that with them and even providing um, opportunities for me to come to IEP meetings and help facilitate these discussions. Um, just for the families really know that they have that support that they need. Okay. Yeah, yep. no, and that's great that there's the different levels of, you know, yeah. and that's why that's the, this show and my YouTube channel and stuff. It's like, okay, don't need us yet. You know, go try and do it. You can yeah. do it. Yeah. I, I say all the time, I wish I didn't have a job. I know. You know, because it would mean the schools are educating our children the way they need to. Yes. And the, the school yes. system has gotten better and, and are doing it right. Which yep. is never going to happen, unfortunately. I know. Um, but <laughs> it's gotten a lot better. Definitely it's gotten cool. better. Yep. <laughs> but yep. it's not going to be perfect. Yep. Um, so where can people find about your show? Like where are your, sorry, about your course? Like how can they mm -hmm. sign up for it? Yes. So um, they can actually um, do um, on the web, web permission to dreambig.com or my business mosaichaven.com. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram under Mosaic Haven. Great. Thank you. And all of those links are going to be in the show notes when awesome. we post. Um, thank you so much, Lisa. This has been amazing. I love transitions. Yes. Yeah. And helping the families. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye, everyone. You've been listening to Stress-Free IEP with your host, Francis Schefter. Remember, you do not need to do it all alone. You can reach Francis through SchefterLaw.com, where prior episodes are also posted. Thank you for your positive reviews, comments, and sharing the show with others through YouTube, LinkedIn, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and more.